Before we get into the next episode of the Conjugate Chats, I want to thank the Department of Young Strain Coaches, the DOYSC, for sponsoring today's episode. The DOYSC is to help young coaches into the field of strength conditioning, whether that is CSCS prep, live discussions, internship or GA opportunities, or anything else strength conditioning related. They are here for a resource for young strength coaches going into the field of strength and conditioning. I'll drop the link in the description to the DOYSC's Discord so any young coach can have access to this awesome resource. So thank you for listening to the Conjugate Chats and the DOYSC for sponsoring today's episode. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats with your host here, John Mark Raspberry, Coach Raspberry at that. Um, it's great to be back in the studio, aka my kitchen. Um, so it's uh, it's uh, it's great to be back behind the mic. So today I got on Tyler Ramsey. Now Tyler Ramsey, he is a strength coach. He is a gym owner, I believe, over in El Paso. Yep, correct. So how's that going for you? It's awesome. I love it. Um, I was already doing some of the back end stuff with the business before. So just um, I got to say that I'm doing it and uh, can't uh, can't say I want to do anything else. That's awesome, man. So we kind of came from the same little background at Eureka College. Okay, kind of yep. went through there, went through, I believe, a kinesiology program. Yeah, I started with um, athletic training my first year, and then I was like, I really don't know if I want to tape ankles and that stuff the rest of my life. So then I switched to exercise science, and then uh, yeah, finished out with that. So you're from El Paso, right? Yeah. So what made you want to kind of go back to El Paso and be a gym owner and go into strength and conditioning? I know you do. Um, like competitions and strongman and stuff like yep. that. So where did all this kind of like originate from? So um, playing sports in high school kind of lifted just a little bit. But um, so when I decided I was going to go to college, um, I was going to go play golf. And I knew the golf coach at Eureka and he was um, the athletic training like department head. So I was like, oh, I have a connection. Then I'll go play golf and do that athletic training. He was going to save some money so I could drive over. It's only about a 15-minute drive. So um decided to do that. And then I decided to change majors to exercise science. And then I interned in Bloomington for a while. And then um, a guy decided to open up a gym in El Paso. And I reached out to him about starting with him, doing the personal training, and then helping start his business with the equipment and flooring and just all the all the nasty stuff that you don't really want to do but get your foot in the door and hopefully that you know that has some credit for you and then in march of this year i bought the gym from him and uh i feel like i know most of the people here in el paso so having that connection with you know athletes and coaches and teachers and business owners that's really helped grow my business and i feel like i wouldn't want to be anywhere else because i have so many connections here so what made you want to go into like the private sector rather than go to like a high school or go back to El Paso or, um, you know, go to a collegiate setting and do that? What, what was so uh, like pleasing to just the private sector? I like to work with um, general population as well. So I am able to do general population here at the gym and then also um, strength and conditioning. So. With my strength and conditioning, it's usually like one-on-one -on -one or small group strength and conditioning sessions. It's not like a full team, um, but I have done one full baseball team. That was a travel team, and that was last winter in their off-season. But I feel like I work better with um, individuals one-on-one -on -one and then general population as well. Awesome, man. So what's your approach to general pop? I know because kind of a lot of the listeners that come in and listen to these podcasts, um, we're mostly team setting people, yeah. you know, we're, you know, working with, uh, I 
heard anywhere from four or five to seventeen, twenty-one, you know, teams. You know, yeah. what's what's your approach to general pop? Well, um, it's crazy. I can I can I train people from ten years old to seven years old. So that's a huge range of you know what kind of things they can do. So it's really just based on the client. So if I have like a 10-year-old that comes in and they're doing a sport, it's more sport specific and it's more like body weight, get used to their body. They're still learning so many things on how to do like just squatting, just going stuff overhead and all that stuff. And then with my seven-year-old people, they need to be able to just get up off the couch, um, go for a walk by themselves, you know, simple things of just getting strength. And then keeping that strength so that if something does happen, they have that ability to continue to help themselves. Um, And then my people in the middle, um, it's just very individual. So I've like most people live a very stressful life. So I try to make it very, very fun, not like super crazy where they're even more stressed after they're done. So like they have that work life balance that they can still come work out, have a good time, you know, build some strength, feel better about themselves but then go do their job and still be able to do their job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, talking about kids, you know, just younger kids want to come in and train. Like, what's, what's your approach to that? Because, you know, there's always been this big debate, and it's been a debate for years of mm-hmm. should kids strength train? Should they not? Does it stunt their growth? Does it not? What, what's your, I guess, opinion and approach to training younger athletes? Um. I usually take them through an assessment first to make sure that, you know, they still have, I have some athletic ability. I don't don't know if I would say athletic ability, but have some motor control, I would say. But um, it's nothing like, like stupid, crazy, like that I would do that you see me post on Instagram. It's nothing like that. You know, it's, it's simple body weight things. Um, Just making sure, you know, if they do a row that their, their back muscles, their scapula, everything, you know, is working correctly. Um, if they can squat to parallel, um, just simple like cutting and agility moves, um, and, and we do we do some band stuff too. I'm a huge huge uh, huge guy of bands, um, so just just very simple things with the with the young ones. So you were talking about assessments. So what things are you looking for for your assessments? So it depends on the sport for me. Um, so if I have a baseball player, it's a lot of shoulder and hip hip things. I'll check for like mobility in the hips and shoulders, um, a lot of external rotation tests and that kind of thing, just to make sure, you know, I don't want to keep, if they're throwing, you know, if they're going to a, a pitching specialist or whatever, I don't want to have them using their shoulders and their elbows more than they need to because they're already getting that stress from somewhere else. So trying to find simple like stretches and foam rolling exercises and activations that will help them, you know, carry over to their sport, but not like hinder, hinder them. So usually focus on the the shoulders and the elbows and then the knees and the hips is what I usually try to assess that they're, everything's moving in the right way, right way. Yeah, I got you, man. Um, talking about athletes. So what are your, some of your favorite athletes to train and why? I like to train basketball players because I played basketball. Um, I during the summer I trained a Division two basketball player who goes to the University of Illinois Springfield. Um, so we met four days a week, and um, it's really it's really fun because he he's six six eight, so he's a, he's a good jumper. I like to do jumping um, plyometrics with those guys. Um, I like to have little competitions who can jump higher. I'm five nine. If you're six eight, let's let's have a little jump jump contest, that kind of thing. Um, I like baseball players too. Um, I have a lot of I train a lot of um, baseball players, and that team that I trained over the winter, um, they were really fun to work with. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> I had a little bit of experience at Eureka with the basketball team there. Yeah, and they're always basketball players are a um, they're a special breed because. You know, they've been taught this stigma of, well, lifting is going to mess up your shot. Lifting is going yeah. to mess up your vert and stuff like that. And, I mean, to be honest, it's almost the complete opposite. You know, it's, you know, 
lifting will help you get your vert a little bit higher. I mean, yeah, your shot has nothing to do with the weight room. It has everything to do with your motor control and your central nervous system and everything like that. If all that's functioning, I mean. Yeah, it's it's interesting to when he goes back to school and he trains, and then when he comes back and does it like just like the the similarities that we that like his strength coach has down at um, Springfield, and then what I do, some of them are the same, and then some of them are, are totally different, and it's really interesting to have that. But he likes that balance. But then he'll go down and tell his coach, you know, um, we did this. He's like, oh, that's that's interesting. I've never really done that before. But um, so down with him down there, he's probably got a little bit more, you know, higher, higher tech um, equipment than I do since I am um, like, a, like a, a general population gym. But I still have, you know, deadlift platforms, bands, squat racks, stuff like that. But they might have more like specialty equipment for basketball since it's that's what he's going to school for. Right. And what are some things that. You talk well. You just said that you know there's some things that they do differently, things they do similarly, or you know similar to what you're doing here. What are some things that you found that were different? So he was doing a lot of um, eccentric work at school for a while. So they were going through a phase of eccentrics, and uh, he wanted to kind of switch that up when he when he got back. He felt very beat up um, from that because that's a a very um, stressful situation on the eccentrics, the lowering of the, you know, the, the exercise. So we tried to do a lot of concentric stuff. So a lot of stuff from like pins and from just like the, the top portion of a lift instead of the whole lift. So that was a little different than what he was doing down there. Uh, we did a lot more band work here with me than he did down there. Like just with like squatting and deadlifting and just like tricep work and the hamstring work and then we do a lot of um banded jumps too i have like the hooks on the deadlift platforms we put them over the shoulders and we do high jumps toe jumps that kind of thing so those were different for him um which helps helps his jumping absolutely man uh kind of changing gears a little bit here so what are some things that you're doing right now to continuously learn and strength and conditioning in your own practice? So I, I listen to a lot of podcasts um, and uh, I do a lot of like reaching out to people on social media. It's been social media is, is can be a good thing and a bad thing. I mean, you see what people post a lot of not so good things on social media. Like when it comes to lifting, like, oh, you should try this. And it's somebody standing on a, 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 a Bosu ball with a single leg and they got, you know, all sorts of stuff hooked up to them and stuff like that. You should, you probably shouldn't try that. But um, just trying to reach out to people that, you know, have had years in the game and asking them questions is, um, is always good. Um, I really liked um, following uh, Matt Wenning, if you know who Matt Wenning is. Um, I've reached out to him a few times and talked to him. Um, I've talked with um, Corey Gregory. Uh, I was actually listening to one of your podcasts this morning from, I can't remember the other guy's name, but he said that he um, followed Corey, um, Corey Gregory's um, Squat Every Day program. And I was like, hey, I've done that program. So that was cool to listen back on one of your other podcasts. Um, but just trying to, you know, I, I do a lot of strongman things. So I try to incorporate that through like into conditioning and strength for my clients too. Cause it's so like, it can be so general. Like you just pick up farmer carries, like pick up groceries, but you should still pick it up correctly and move your body in, in a specific way. So I try to um, work with people that have background in, you know, strongman um, and learn from them because that helps me train my clients and helps me better myself as a, a competitor. Yeah, absolutely. Social media is a big, big tool right now. Yeah. Um, we kind of talked a little bit about it, you know, um, especially the presence on Twitter. So, I mean, there's tons of high school coaches and collegiate coaches that are yeah. on Twitter and they just share stuff left and right. Just here's this program, here's this program. And they're willing to open up their playbook, basically, into the general public. Yeah. Um, the guy from FAU, Florida Atlantic, I can't remember his name, Joey Caraccio, I believe is his name. I mean, he shares literally everything. 
on social media. He ain't afraid to basically put it out there, say, this is what we do every single day. And Yeah, there are so many people that give out free stuff. So I asked a lot of people this. Uh, I, I think it's a good question. So how important is it to keep a growth mindset in the field of strength and conditioning? Well, uh, most people think that they know a lot, and I don't think you could ever know enough. Like, I learn something new, like, every day. Like, you just, you can just scroll through social media. If you follow, the, you know, the, the right people, and they're doing, they're, they're doing research, and then you look up their research to make sure you know that it's proper. But uh, growth in anything, you know, you need to challenge yourself. So putting your, your, yourself in situations to, you know, read and listen and apply yourself um, is huge. So you're talking about like reading, all right? So what's a book that you found helpful in your own personal life, personal training, strength condition was? Um, I really liked the the book of methods um, by Westside Barbell. Have you ever read that book? I haven't or read it. You know but I know what, what Westside is. Yeah, I know what Westside is. Okay, so yeah, I, I follow. That... I follow. Yeah, I follow a lot of um, a lot of conjugate things, like your shirt says, conjugate. Love it. Um, but I follow a lot of that with, um, but with my my athletes. So if I only because if I only see them a few times a week, we'll do a, an upper heavier split and then a lower um, lighter split. And we'll kind of fluctuate that throughout a month, kind of go back and forth. Um, and I do that with myself as well, a conjugate split. Um, but I really liked in the book of methods, you know, you have the max effort method, which is you know heavier sets of, you know, one to three. Um, and then you have the dynamic effort, which is, you know, the rate of force production, which is, you know, um, speed work on speed squats with bands or chains or, just straight weight, but it's, it's lighter. So you can be, you know, aggressive and be fast. And then you have, you know, like the repetition method where that's where you, you build muscle. That's like your bodybuilding kind of stuff. You throw at the end of your workout, help strengthen, you know, um, lagging body parts or where you're weak at. Um, so the book of methods was, was a book that I always go back to, um, when I'm trying to find things to help strengthen an athlete in a certain position. Because that's a lot of you know variations in, um, and variations in lifts that carry over to sports. Yeah, absolutely. Um, still kind of diving in into conjugate and trying to learn about how all that kind of works out and fluctuates and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I try a lot. It is a lot. Um, I try a little bit of it preseason, going to end season. Um, try to go fluctuate those numbers as best as I can because. You know, you don't want to burn out your athletes yes. in season, but you also don't want to lose strength and lose speed and lose, you know, what you basically worked from January up to July for. So, yeah, um, yeah I think conjugate is a really cool method. Um, when you start looking at it and, you know, people post about it, so it, it's a really interesting way of training. It is. Sometimes you can get carried away, like with exercises, you know, you just, you know, you change it so much and then it's like, is, should you even do that lift? Like what's the carryover? Um, I, I, I happen to do that sometimes. Like I'll do a crazy variation with, you know, bands and chains and then a different bar with, you know, different heights. So it can get kind of, kind of weird in a way that like it doesn't carry over to anything. You just try to, you know, lift as much weight as you can, but the base conjugate, I think, is a great system for for athletes, and you know, it, it can be used for general general population as well. Just not as you know crazy extreme. for as, for an athlete. That's yeah, extreme. Yeah. Um. So, talk about your facility. So, what are some non negotiables that you have in your facility? What do you What do you mean by non negotiables? Things that you will not stray away from. Like for me, in my um high school where i'm at right now you know there's no crocs there's no hey dudes there's no um uh slides in the weight room that's that's something that i will not stray away from you know um you will have a shirt on when you work out you will have you will finish your reps things of that nature 
Okay. It's funny that you say that because I have people that wear Hey Dudes in here all the time, but not to work out. They just wear them in here. Um, but uh, they're comfy. I get well, it. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a fad. It's a thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so some non-negotiables. That's actually a really good question because we really don't have that many like you can't do this, you can't do that. Um, I would really like for people to be, you know, be respectful to each other and like the equipment. So like just, you know, being an adult, being, being responsible, like I shouldn't have to say use common sense, but that's kind of the world we live in. Yes. People don't have common sense, but, um, so heck, living, living in a small town and having a small town gym, most people know each other. They see, you know, their kids go to school the kids are in sports together, you know, they're at games all the time. So like the camaraderie and like the, the group that we have here of our members is actually like amazing. Everyone's supporting each other. Everyone's respectful. You know, people are sharing, sharing machines, not like trying to hold everything down. Um, so we, we try to make it fun, but you know, at least be respectful to everybody, everybody in, in the gym. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this this topic's been thrown around for the last I don't know, probably about ten, fifteen years. We talked about in sports, mental toughness. So is this something that you think that people can develop? Can we develop as coaches? And if you think so, how do you develop it? Mental toughness. I think you have to have a little bit you to start i don't think that it's a thing that you're um i think it's really hard to to develop if you don't really like you know what like what a, t- a tough situation is um so i think you can develop mental toughness by putting your st- yourself in stressful situations um i feel like you can learn from if you fail, like if you, you know, go for a lift and you fail, you can, you can come back stronger, you know, like figure out what you did wrong. Um, but if you are put in a tough situation and you conquer that situation, then I feel like you have that, that grit that you have that like energy to, uh, have that toughness later. If you have to, uh, if you like have that obstacle come your way again, you have that experience and that grit to overcome it again. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, when we were, that that makes sense. Uh, when we were playing sports, right. So we were roughly about the same age. I think you graduated a year earlier than I did. I mean, sport coaches tell you, well, you got to finish this last set or you finish this last rep of conditioning. Well, we're doing extra conditioning because of mental toughness. You know, is that, do you think that's something that's, it's right, or is that something that you know we we're starting to see a change of? I guess is the best way I could put it. I don't know if you should use the word mental toughness for that. I feel like you say, "Oh, you have to finish this because of mental toughness." Like you should just finish it because it's going to help you later in your sport. So I don't think it. I don't think it really has anything to do with mental toughness. If, if the coach is just going to make you do it anyways, you just have to do it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Do you think it's kind of like a, I'm not going to say a cop-out, but kind of a cop-out? For, yeah. yeah. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. But I um, guess if you, if you say, hey, if, I guess if you say, hey, you know, if you, you know, if you complete this, this is, you know, a challenge and you're going to be met more mentally tough and they believe that, then maybe you know, they think they'll be mentally tough after they complete that. So I guess it could be, it could be a mind game if you say, and they believe. Depends if you get some buy-in from your team too, so. Yeah. If you don't have any, you know, the athletes, you know, following your lead and feel like you're a leader to them and they're just like, now whatever. Right. So So how do you build a buy-in from your clients, your general pop, your athletes? How do you build buy-in? 
So a lot of it is like through through results. I feel like my my programs and things that I put people through that they you know a lot of a lot of things are word of mouth and I post pictures and I post you know results and challenges and that kind of draws people in and they feel like oh well, my friend just did that so why can't I do that? Um, I like to try to get people to join like do sessions like with friends so then they're buying in with their friend that they know that they can commit to and then like their their group believes in each other and then they'll show up and then they are like oh i saw that person you know achieve you know a 20 a 20 pound weight loss doing this i'm gonna do that okay kind of change gears a little bit so talking about training right or training wise Okay, so we're the good. Yeah, we're good. Okay, so what are the more important things that you consider when training an athlete, or I guess a general pop person for you? What I consider to be important. Yes, sir. Like them to like be able to do, or anything that you consider to be important when they're with their training. So important things that you consider. So like I guess like quality of life or um, purpose, things of that nature. Yeah. So I feel like it's, it's a little different for general population compared to an athlete athlete. We want to have, you know, um, agility, strength, mobility, um, those kind of things. And then with my um, general population, I still want to have strength, but I want to have, you know, uh, less stress, you know, feel better, um, more, more conditioned, just because, you know, the average person sits so many, so much a day. Um, and with, and with my general population, we do a lot of, um, we work on a lot of imbalances and a lot of posture things because most people sit at a desk. So they have a lot of rounded shoulders, their back hurts, their neck hurts. So we try to work around strengthening the muscles that help them, you know, not hurt when they sit at their desk or, you know, those kinds of things. So more agility. Um, mobility and strength for athletes and then better, you know, better quality of life, you know, better um, cardiovascular and strength and um, posture interbalances with um, the general pop. Gotcha. Um, what are some of your main lifts that have became uh, staples in your program? I like, do you care if I do like athletes and general pop or? The, Go for all, it. Go okay. for it. So I like, for athletes, I like to do um, sumo block pulls. Um, I like to do trap bar deadlift. I like to do single leg, like split squats, those kinds of things. Um, I like um, push press, box jumps, and then pull-ups. I like to do those a lot with athletes. Um, a lot of um, upper body and then a, a mixture of lower body. Um, I like the sumo squat or the sumo um, deadlifts just because a wider stance. Most most athletes are going to be in a wider stance when they're doing things. So if they're able to, you know, apply force outward, you know, less less injuries that way. So we try to do a lot of sumo deadlifts, sumo squats, those kinds of things to help strengthen the knees and the hips. Um, and then with general population, it kind of goes by who I'm training. You know, if I have a 70 year old lady, um, a lot of that is just like body weight, um, single leg stuff, just cause you don't know, like if she, you know, if she falls and stuff, like be able to catch herself and those kinds of things. But I like face pulls, um, deadlifts, leg press and sled work for general population. So, um, just that, that caught my, my interest. Sled okay. work. So why do you do sled work with Jim pop? So I do, I have a, a high sled, so a high handled sled that has a low, low handled sled. And then I have a one that goes around your waist. Okay. Um, so I, I interchange those. So with the higher sled, that's for like more of my older clients and that kind of thing. So they have a higher handle. They don't have to be bent over as much. They can be more upright. Um, so we do it. That's like leg, leg strength, and then a little bit of cardiovascular. Um, there too um with my uh with the one you go backwards 
Uh, I like to do that for your quads and that's for a lot of knee health. So if I have people that have knee issues or ankle issues, we get a lot of um, good quadriceps and calf work in there. So it helps, helps with their knees. So that's kind of why I like to do the sleds with the, with the general bop. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, that caught my interest. I, I just want to ask a question about that. So, yeah. Um, this would be a good question for you. So how does your training differ from your athletes? Is there any difference? Um, not, not really. I would say, I mean, I still have, so a lot of my strongman stuff is deadlifting, squatting, overhead press, and then like events. So like farmer carries, um, sandbags, um, stones, those kinds of things. I don't really go into stones and that kind of thing with my athletes, unless I know that they can, you know, if they can hit a certain amount on the deadlift, just cause it's, it's such a technical technical lift and you know i don't i don't want to hurt them like with that just because it's, it's not that's not going to transfer over to their sport as well as it transfers to my sport but um i think sandbags is a good way to work um triple extension and then also the farmer carries is good for you know strengthening your hands your core and your upper back so i think a lot of farm i do a lot of farmer carries and sandbags and sleds and then uh, for my training is a little bit different because I do a lot of overhead press. And I don't if I have like a baseball player, they won't do as much overhead press as I would do. So it's very selective on the athlete. And then what I, you know what I do is a little bit different. Gotcha. Um, I know a lot of strength coaches that you know they will do the workouts and that they prescribe their athletes to do just to see how it feels. You know, maybe they go two three weeks in advance. You know, kind of modify things as they go. So I didn't know if you know, you being a strong man, if you did anything differently or anything, um, you know, if you did the workouts yourself that you give, you know, your athletes, things of that nature. Yeah. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say I do like the, their full workout, but I have done their exercises at some point and I know like what it's supposed to feel like, you know, what muscles we're working at a certain, certain lift, but it's not like their exact full workout, if that makes sense. Yeah. Is that Yeah. That makes that makes total sense. Okay. Um, how do you manage your weight room? I guess from a coaching perspective, and as, I guess as a gym owner's perspective, how do you manage your gym, your weight room? So we're 24-hour fitness. So you have access whenever you want. Uh, I'm not always here at the gym. I'm usually here when I have training sessions. So that could be like 5 o'clock in the morning until 10 a.m. and I have a break. So usually uh people clean clean off all their things people put their weights away you might have some people in the evenings i i hate to say but it's probably high school kids that come in in the evenings when i'm not here and they work out and then they don't put their weights away because they don't do that they don't do that at the high school so probably need to work on work on that a little bit you know i have to pick up a lot of weights in the evenings you know some some people some people forget some people forget i forget sometimes i'm not i'm not perfect but like if there's a, a weight on every every bar when I get in there, that's that's a little ridiculous. Yeah, so um I guess as a gym owner, right? Um is there anything that you do that you think people won't or, or people wouldn't expect you to do? Like um I know updating equipment is huge, you know, updating plates, um uh bars, things of that nature, just a little things like that. Is there anything that are, is, is there anything out of the ordinary that you think people don't just think about that you do? Uh, well, I do all the cleaning at the gym. So people may not think, you know, that I do that. I do that. I try to do that in like the, the most dead time. So I don't have to try to like weave in and out of everybody, like mopping the floors or cleaning the toilets or anything like that. So I do the, I do the cleaning. Um, I do a lot. I do all the software and marketing and all that stuff on the computer. So it's basically just like a a one person show behind behind the gym. So it's, that, it can be stressful at times, but it's it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I think most people start out as like, I want to own a gym, and it's like, well, you got you know, you got all the equipment, which 
equipment is very expensive. It is. It's very expensive. I didn't realize how expensive it was until Kai had the green light to, you know, look at equipment and, you know, bars. And I wanted to get a multi-grip bar and safety squat bars. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I looked on there. It's like 500 600 you know, thousand yeah. dollars. I'm like. Yeah. I was like, and, I, and, and, COVID, and COVID didn't help that either. That made the price of everything go up too. Right. So, yeah. It was expensive before. And in the last two or three years, it's even higher. And even bands. Like, I didn't realize how expensive bands were. Like, I looked at Sornix, and I think it was like 20-some-odd dollars for like a little thin band. I'm like. And like this full set, ridiculous. the full set's like 150, 170 dollars. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess that's one thing I didn't realize about. Yeah. Most of our equipment is fairly new, and we bought it all. So like, it's not like we lease it or anything like that. So we have the equipment. The only bad part is, is when it goes out, then I have to replace it. Right. So that's not like I lease it and then they give me something new. I have to go out, you know, buy something new, but. We have some we have some pretty good equipment. Who do y'all go through for y'all's equipment? So all of our like machines and stuff are uh, Star Trek. You ever heard of Star Trek? Yeah. So we have like a we probably have like ten to twelve machines that are Star Trek. They're like the they're already loaded with like weights. You just like slide the the, the clip over and those kinds of things. So we have like a shoulder press, chest press, um, bicep curl, leg extension leg curl, uh, pull-up machine, dip machine combination. So we have those. And then all of our free weights are Nautilus. So all of our benches, um, all of our like seated rows and stuff is the Nautilus. And then we have a Magnum um, cable row mach like machine. So it's like, it's got the seated row pull down and then it's got like four other um, like tricep push down attachments that you can do chest flies and bicep curls and all that kind of stuff. And then our racks are, one of them is a Titan fitness rack. And then one of them is a power lift rack. Okay. So, gotcha. Gotcha. I yeah. saw one of your videos had a power lift rack. I was like, Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, let's get to this here. So, what advice would you give a young student or athlete that wants to go into strength conditioning, sport performance, or, I guess your case, go into the private sector and being a gym owner? So I would say you need to intern at a few different, or, you know, like observe a few different places and kind of see where you want to go. Because so at Eureka, we, I had to do an internship for 600 hours, um, but before that, we had to do, you know, like observations at like 10 different places. I'm not sure if you had to do that or not. No, um, we had a uh, practicum that we had to do. It was a 600-hour practicum that we had to do, and I was working at Athletico at the time. Okay. So that was just kind of intertwined. Okay. So before that, I had to do like 10 observations at different places. So I went to like Broman and did like a cardiac rehab one, and then I went to – um, I think I went to Athletico and did like the physical therapy side. And then I went to like LA fitness and like followed a personal trainer around. So I got the, you know, the three different, three different things under like kinesiology um, and exercise science that we could go under. So I feel like you need to experience, you know, what sparks your interest. And I feel like the, the training sparked my interest the, the most out of, physical therapy and um, cardiac rehab. And then when I was able to um, get into my internship, it was, it was during the day, it was general population, general, general population, like training during the day with a, a good friend of one of my members here at the gym. And that was like four years ago. Uh, so he had started a gym 20 years ago. So he's been in the business for a while you know, general pop training and starting the business from the ground up. So that was awesome learning from him and kind of what he did to start. So that kind of helped me when I started, you know, what should I do and all that. And then in the evenings I worked at sports enhancement. So I got, to work with, I got to work with athletes down in Bloomington, you know, from normal community, um, normal West, 
and we worked with soccer players, football players, basketball players. And then we would go twice a week, we'd go to their school and just run like a little circuit with them at their school with their football coach. He was in there, you know, making sure everyone was doing the leaders were doing their thing and that kind of thing as well. So I think you just need to figure out, you know, try out different things and then what sparks your interest, try to go from there. And uh, that's about it. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, I think that's some great advice uh, at Eureka did an internship there and, you know, with uh, Matt friend and yeah, got, got to experience, you know, what is like, I guess on the other side of athletics or strength and conditioning, you know, it's one thing to go through all the workouts as an athlete and things of that nature. You know, it's another thing to be a coach and has a coaching side and make sure that people are doing everything and things of that nature. So I think the advice that you gave right there is pretty key. Um, I do feel like, you know, there's some students out there and I guess if anyone's, you know, listen to this, you know, you need to know what you want to do. And I know that's such a such a vague statement, you know, figure out what you want to do. Well, you know, something in kinesiology is so broad and specific at the same time. So, yeah. I mean, you can go to physical therapy, cardiac rehab, personal training, strength and conditioning, athletic training. I mean, th- you can do a lot in this field, but it's also so narrow, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I so when I was getting ready to when I was getting ready to. Like come into my freshman year of college, I was going to do criminal justice like that summer leading up. And I was like, no, I really don't want to do that. So then I changed it to athletic training. And then I did like a semester because they kind of throw you into some of your classes already. So I did like athletic training, like 101 or something. And I was like, yeah, this taping thing really isn't for me. So let's, uh, let's, you know, I've already got some of the pre prereqs for exercise science. I, I was already working out and that kind of thing. So I was like, I, I enjoy working out. Let's see what this exercise science is going to, you know, was, is going to bring me. And then, you know, it's led me here. So can't complain about that at all. Uh, Coach Washer, man. Coach yep. Washer. Oh, man. I'm, I miss her. She, I think she's retired now at uh, Eureka. I think so, too. Um, but I think she's made that exercise science program so much more. Um, enjoyable yeah because it's heavy exercise science athletic training kinesiology you know the material that you study is heavy yeah she made she made body composition so much fun like that had so much information it was crazy but she made like you know the vo2 max and the underwater laying and all that stuff so like easy to learn and it was just fun to actually do it it's great to have professors like that even I know some people may not like him, but Randy, I mean, I yeah. can, I mean, I learned from the guy. He helped me as much as, as he could. And, you know, he taught, uh, I believe it was exercise physiology and biomechanics and things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, biomechanics. I mean, it's, um, I, I, there are some great people at Eureka. I, I'm glad that we got to like experience those good teachers over there. Yeah. Um, where do you see yourself in about, Two, three years, five years, and ten years. So more short term would be like two or three years. Um, I would still like to be on or in like you know personal training and that kind of thing. So my my client list is about I do about fifty to sixty one on ones a week. That's that's a lot. Um, I kind of like to stay there. Um, that's that's a good that's a good number, but. I'd like my facility to be a little bit bigger in the next couple of years, just because I feel like I want to add some equipment, but we just don't have the room right now. I don't want to like take over the turf space and stuff just because it gets used so much. So short term, I feel like I would want a, a bigger building. Um, just kind of stinks that El Paso is a small town and doesn't have that many, very, very many buildings. And then, you know, paying to put up a building is astronomical with the cost of everything. So Short term, buy a bigger facility, um, add add more um, recovery, and you know um, things that can go with with the gym. So I want to do like a sauna, uh, I want to do a recovery room, ice baths, that kind of thing, and then I want to do uh, 
looking to do a uh, golf simulator just because we have a good golf team here in El Paso and we have a golf course that's just right down the road. So there's not really anything around us. So I feel like if we could add in, you know, a golf simulator, batting cages, that kind of thing would help bring the, the teams from El Paso, you know, to here and then they can rent out that kind of thing. Um, long-term, uh, just a um, big, big training facility where, you know, athletes come, gen general pop comes. Um, we have you know, a smoothie bar, that kind of thing, where you just have everything in one spot. Um, everyone's trying to get better. Everyone's doing their thing, but everyone uh, uh, trying to work on themselves. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, that's cool to have a golf simulator or try to get a golf simulator. That's pretty sweet. That's pretty yeah. Cool. How's this? How much does something run? Or how, how's that? How much is something like that worth? Um, depends on if you want to go cheap or if you want to go expensive. I mean, right. you can get, you can go and you could buy, you could buy one for three grand, and that would work perfectly fine. Or you can go buy one for twenty grand. So, I mean, yeah, that's a lot. That's that's crazy. That's crazy, man. <laughs> um. What are some of your biggest strengths and weaknesses as a coach? I feel like one of my weaknesses is that I'm too I'm too nice. I think I don't I don't really yell and that kind of thing because I try to make it fun. Like I want people to come back. I want people to you know not feel so stressed when they come here. But uh, I think I think that's a weakness of mine is being being too nice. Uh, which it's hard to do because yeah. I'm, 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 a, I'm a people person. So I kind of like, I, I like to smile. I like to ask you, you know, how your day is going, that kind of thing. And not like be in your face yelling at you. So I've tried it and people just laugh at me. So I know that's not, that's not my thing. Gotcha. Um, I feel like one of my strengths as a coach is I've done a lot. I've done, you know, I've done the movements. You know, I'm, I would say I'm pretty successful and being strong and, you know, knowing, knowing what I'm talking about when it comes to lifting. So I feel like that's a, a strength of mine that I can help carry over to people that are trying to get stronger. Um, I feel like I'm a good, I'm pretty responsible when it comes to, you know, getting workouts and, you know, running the gym and keeping people, you know, coming in and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, being too nice is something that, uh, I think I've run to as well. I mean, uh, like you say, you know, you, you do the, the yelling and screaming and stuff like that and kids laugh at you. I mean, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's hard. It's hard to like, you can't get mad at them after they laugh at you because you just tried to be mad at them. Right. So right. you just, um, you just lose either way. I, it just comes down to your coaching style, man. I mean, you got to fit it to your personality. if. Yep. If you're a happy-go-lucky guy or a person, and uh, you try to do the screaming thing, I mean, it ain't gonna work out. But yep. vice versa, if you, I think it works the opposite way. If you're are just a naturally like pissed-off person, and you try to be like, "Hey, how's your day going?" I mean, I it, could come off, it could it could come off as being like sarcastic or a little smartassy. Right, right. And I've seen there like, uh, I I've seen coaches do that before. It's like, "Hey, man, how's it going?" And you know, kids <laughs> like that good and then just walk away like like you've never talked to me ever and when you have talked to me you've yelled at me so like stop trying to be nice to me now right right i was sitting there i was like man it kind of goes both ways or both sides of the coin i, I yeah. should say um kind of wrapping up here so top five coaches that you uh think people need to be following whether that is twitter instagram um anything of that nature or coaches that just influenced you just in general okay. Um, I would say Matt Winning. Um, so his he's a super um, super strong guy. Um, does a lot of um, tactical strength and conditioning. So he works with like the Army Rangers. He does um, fire departments, police departments, that kind of thing. So he's he's like an all time world record squatter, bench presser. So he knows his stuff. He's a good guy to he does, he follows a lot of conjugate stuff. So he's a good good um, resource to have. Um, Joe Ken, you know who Joe Ken is? I don't. Okay, so he was 
he was a strength coach for I think the Carolina Panthers for a while. Okay. And now he kind of just does like conferences and that kind of thing. Um, he was Brian Shaw, uh, Brian Shaw's coach for a while and strongman. So he's he's a good he's a good resource. He he posts like free stuff all the time too. Um, um, Jason Brown, he's a he's a conjugate guy. Um, I like him on social media. He gives out a lot of stuff for free, like playbooks and that kind of thing. Just like what you were saying earlier, just like here's my template, take it, use it. This is everything that I do. Um, and then I would say Corey Gregory. Um, he was the squat everyday guy. Yep. He does a lot more um, powerlifting, bodybuilding. Um, he's got an awesome podcast um, that I like to listen to. That's pretty. It's it's got a lot of information, but it's also very motivational. So I kind of like to listen to that. Um, and a lot of his um, nutrition things is I like to follow his nutrition stuff. And then I would say Zach Hummel. You've probably never heard of any of these people, but it's okay. Um, Zach Hummel was a um, strongman. So he does a lot of strongman stuff. Uh, I went out to his gym in Indiana and met with him and did a, a deadlift workshop with him and stuff. And he's just super knowledgeable on on getting strong. So I, I like those five five people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think you kind of have influences that are directed to what you what your niche is. Yeah. So, like a lot of powerlifting, love you know bodybuilding, uh, strongman. Things of that nature. I like to go on the opposite side. I like the more sports science and yeah. you know, speed conditioning. You know, um, Tony Holler, thing. You know, people like him that put out speed and agility. You know, this is what I do on a daily basis. Um, specifically, like football. Like I follow. Yeah. You know, D1 coaches that are specific for football and kind of work with that way. So I think your influences are a direct correlation of like what your niche is. And then of course yours is more powerlifting, strongman, things of that nature. Yeah. All right, Tyler. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, especially yeah. very, very short notice. Uh, just kind of like, Hey, do you want to come on? And, um, you know, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you, you know, taking the time out of your Sunday and, you know, just laying out there for us, um, for all to hear. And, um everything of that nature man yeah hey thanks for having me on i uh, hope we can do this again uh so really appreciate it um we have a good sunday you as well man and that's another episode of the conjugate chats with your host here john mark raspberry coach raspberry that tyler i appreciate you man in the name of strength stay strong